0: Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. He made a good point, if Stanley never actually
1: shows up, then it's by default worse.
2: That's, that's not true though. He does show up in Sam, person. Sam, your up.
1: time is <laughs> up. <laughs> Sorry. You're done. You're finished. You're, You're finished. finished.
0: So next, it, we're gonna switch it up. Benji. You're gonna be attacking something called Final Fantasy X-2, or X 2 So are you ready for
1: that? Yep. Alright. Oh, what a disappointment. What a what a what a cocktease turned disappointment. I um I loved Final Fantasy X. Um maybe it's not my favorite Final Fantasy, but I but I really loved it. Um and I liked the story a lot and I loved some of the music. And I thought the story of Atrina, Titus, and Yuna was, was pretty good. I, I, have to say spoilers here, spoiler alert, but, um, the whole thing happens at the end of Ephonimacy 10 is, is Titus dies. What I was you know, kind of hinted at it with 10-2 that we, that, that we'd find out a little more about that. Ten two 2 was just this stupid, like, girl power fest. I don't mind if it wants to be girl power, but it was stupid. And with stupid games, uh, stupid games, are a stupid story, not any music that was even close to Nabuo's awesomeness. But like, nowhere, nowhere even close. Just a bad storyline overall, overall. If you can even call it a storyline, the, the, uh, the main bad guys or some of the main bad guys were just irritating and obnoxious and stupid. Um, there was just nothing redeeming about it. It was just, it was such a, it was such a vast, wide gulf of difference between the quality of Final Fantasy X and the, and, and the quality of Final Fantasy X2. And you may argue, well, it was just a little fun thing. I didn't even find, I didn't find it that fun. I just thought it was a, I thought it was, it was just a bad game. Overall, with, with very few redeeming qualities of it. And I I I understand why they did it. In fact I think that's kinda cool how they tried to make a sequel, because they they normally don't make sequels to the to, to the actual storylines, but I, I thought it was just poorly executed.
0: Alright, well that was an interesting perspective. Okay. And I guess that leaves me, Jeremy, to defend it. Alright, so let me trigger up the bell here. Okay, so starting from the beginning here, Final Fantasy X2, I think, starts from a very interesting plot, this idea of trying to rebuild a world that has been living in a place that's been constantly attacked and is now trying to rebuild its society. Now, obviously, I will admit that some of the mechanics are there to artificially prolong the length of the game to try to give you this 100%. But that being said, I feel like the battle system is kind of interesting, and I like being able to have these different kind of ways to have new things that you can switch between in the fight, I think the music is okay. I think a lot of it does come down to sort of a fan service thing, and I have to admit that part of that is something that can appeal to me. So, you know, yeah, it could be kind of a a shameful thing in some ways, but I feel like that's a lot of what these games are now, is sort of just showing off, like, sort of silliness. And I kind of like the light tone of it. To me, it just became something that really was just enjoyable to go through. I like this idea of trying to achieve something, to try to achieve closure. She was trying to find the remnants of someone that had died. She was trying to find evidence. And of course, obviously, there's this whole, oh, well, yeah, we're trying to save the world again. Blah, blah, blah. Typical stuff, I guess um okay well that's it for there
1: all right then you have your rebuttal mm-hmm okay um i i, I actually agree that the battle system was kind of cool I, I i did like that so agreed with that um there was just a lot of potential there that i think was just wasted potential i i guess that's the that's the crux of it um i i think what you're talking about the whole rebuilding uh, of a, a a world that's been destroyed that could be good. Um, I didn't think there really was much of a story there. And it became kind of this kind of silly, um, this silly, like, stupid fest. I don't know what else to say. I, I guess that's, that's not a really good description of it. But I, I remember thinking that it was silly. It was kind of like, you know, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, like, um, that, that really bad spinoff of, of top 10 that wasn't written by Alan Moore. It was kind of, I feel like it's kind of similar to that, um, to, to that one, um, because it was copying the world, but it, I, I felt like it was, it was also like that season of Dexter, I guess it was season six of Dexter that maybe was written by different people. It was just, they were using the same world, but I thought it was just, it just wasn't well done. It was just, everything was just silly all of a sudden. The world wouldn't be silly all of a sudden after that. There'd be All
0: right. Well, it looks like it's time for final round. Sam? No, no, I have to do uh, oh, uh, Jeremy gets another another
2: oh, one I, minute I, I response. I just don't want to
0: hear him talk. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> all right ready Yeah. all right well listen i i can understand why there's some things that are frustrating about the game and i can certainly acknowledge that and that how it has a sort of a addictive nature to it but that being said i think some of the characters are actually very interesting i actually like this character of pain i thought she was kind of interesting and how it sort of built up this interesting storyline behind that was something else going on i guess really what it comes down to it I understand why people were disappointed because I thought Final Fantasy X had a more significant, more interesting storyline, and really, Final Fantasy X too is just sort of a light, fun game. It's sort of yeah, it's a bit of a distraction, a bit of a waste of time at times. But you know, in the end, it's just sort of what are we playing video games for? Are we really trying to get a huge emotional reaction all the time? And not every game can be Final Fantasy Six or even Seven. You know, sometimes you just you know, it's a sequel, so. It's gonna be kind of not as good. That doesn't mean I think it's bad. Alright. So, Sam, what do All you right. think about?
2: Alright. So, you know, it's funny because going into this, I thought I was going to agree with Benji that uh that that Final Fantasy X2 sucks. But um I was considering the fact that like really when talking about any JRPG, there's two important elements that that make a game good or bad. One is the gameplay and the other is the story and characters. And for a JRPG, while while JRPGs tend to be like very much story based, really what's more important than the story is how much fun it is to play. And if the gameplay is good, that that can excuse a lot of flaws with the story and characters. So I'm gonna go with Jeremy on this one. I think I think Jeremy actually made the case that uh that this is is a quality game, even yeah. though even though it has certain flaws.
0: Yeah, and listen, it's you know, like, if it's I could like, attack it by ignoring parts that I liked about it, and getting into some of the things that are sort of irritating. And like I said, yes, it does pad things out, and yes, it was an excuse to use the same engine, so they didn't have to program an entirely new set of graphics and you know and everything. But even then, it's not the same exact way of doing the gameplay. Yeah, some of the you know suits are a little hard to get to. Uh, but, you know, I found and yeah, I, I admit, I used a game guide for some of the annoying side quests so I could get 100% because I didn't care about that. You know, I just wanted to have 100% Scala. next to my save game because I didn't care enough to do any of the stupid stuff myself. But that being said, I still I still liked it. I don't consider it a waste of time.
1: Yeah, so, I, I guess I, my my main thing is like, I, I, you really do make a good point about you know just being enjoyable and it's good. It's just why does it have to be in that world? You know what I mean? Like, why bother making it, especially with a pretty intense emotional story? Yeah, um, listen,
0: if we're gonna talk about like you know why, you know,
1: I think it was a financial. But I, but I, I think it's a legitimate thing because because it was it was Final Fantasy X had a really deep like emotional story to it. That was what was really powerful about it. I think more so than some of the other Final Fantasy ones. I think it was it was one. It was it's it's in the category of great Final Fantasy games. I really think that. So, I, that, that, so it's more the disparity that I really that I really dislike. Mm-hmm. I you know like if it were a mini game, you know, off of it, like if there, you know it's, it's something different, then I, I think it would be good. But this was the sequel to that game. Like if it wants to be light, and even if it's even if it's about everyone finding something light and good to. To lift them up after all these terrible things, I think that's fine. But I think that that it was kind
0: of it's interesting that you say that because Final Fantasy XIII too, I thought was like it was like rip out your heart type of a game and what they did in that game. I mean, they really like screwed with you with your emotions on it. I feel like people like to rag on that too. I think incorrectly. I just there's only one thing I don't like about that game which is there is one specific trophy that the only way to get it is by random chance. And that's just stupid. But other than that, I think it's a very good game, and I like it a lot. So, listen, when I say there's one stupid thing about it, that doesn't mean I think it's a bad game. In fact, that's the opposite. You can always find something to complain about. But when people say, oh, that that one thing, that just means the whole game sucks. Like, come on.
2: Right. yeah that's that's really that's an unfair criticism yeah I and mean, i mean i think it's unfair even to criticize final fantasy x2 as being silly because i mean in in the more beloved final fantasy games like like six or seven there were plenty of silly elements even like criticizing it for being fan service like it's probably pretty blatant in x2 I don't, I don't But why, even know. even, just, even just, six and seven had had fan service you know like these are it's just they took some of these things and exaggerated them a little bit,
1: yeah I'm just saying that that was the enti- i felt like that was the entirety of 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 ten two that's more of it. I'm not saying having something silly is the is the problem I it's think more it's more of it get, was it, all right, well, it was it was not a it was not a spiritual successor, you know what I mean it did not oh, get the no. feeling of it at all so it it's was just- really
2: really you're you're kind of upset about the fact that it really changed the tone and feel from ten yeah. to ten two that it didn't, it didn't feel like a sequel at all.
1: Yeah, and also for no reason. Yeah, that's more of it. It was, it was, it was more betraying the world. You know what I mean? That's 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 more of the issue I have. It's not. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, okay. Then, listen, I, I that's, a, that's fair.
2: It's fair criticism. I don't
0: I necessarily agree, but I can get that. I mean, you know, when we're talking about the scheme of things. I've played a lot of the games. I've played most of them. Uh, you know, and when it comes down to it, there's sort of differences. I found Final Fantasy two to have too much of a too much of a pain to get into. 3 was fun, although at least the version I was playing, which is like the iPhone version, which is also the same as the DS one. So it says like updated graphics and a little, and it you know, made it so it wasn't quite as Nintendo crazy. Obviously, I played through all of Final Fantasy 1, as uh, some of us did as well. You know, 4 I thought was very well streamlined, and 5 was, you know, I think was almost too open-ended in what you could do, because I kind of got stuck in that game. I... Right. still haven't gotten through 7 uh, you know Been meaning to but it, it's not bad even just starting out 8 i tried playing i couldn't do it 9 i do like i like the system i like the story also 10 i also like 12 i think is a, is an excellent game one of the better ones 13 i don't think is as good as 12 or 10 but i think it's decent and i also like 13 too i think that's even an improvement on, thir- on 13 so yeah, when it comes down to it, X2 is not the best, certainly. But I also don't think it's the worst. I mean, I actually, you know, went through the whole game. You know, I got to the end, so that yeah. does say something.
2: Yeah. All right. I think uh, I think that's enough about uh, Final right. Fantasy X2 and the Final Fantasy series. We really need to move on to. All right.
0: Let's go to the our next, next one. one. So this one is going to be Family Matters, and I'm going to attack that old buddy Benji. He's going to defend it.
2: All right. It should be interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay. Here we go. So, Family Matters is interesting in that, yeah, okay, it's trying to do something that is, yeah, trying to appeal to the so-called urban market, which is just a, a racist thing that the marketing people do. That being said, I also think Steve Urkel is one of the worst characters ever created. And I know that I was made fun of in stupid ways based off the Urkel character, somebody accusing me of being a nerd and saying, where are your your overalls? Where are your tights and your suspenders and your glasses? Nonsense. Anyway, I think Urkel could be funny at times, but overall, you know, I felt like uh, I kind of hated him. I hated the Stefan character. I thought that the family dynamics started to break down and it just became like a clown show and it was just ridiculous. And you know what it was originally like what it says a like, family matters it's a rare condition in this day and age etc you know well, the whole thing about being close as a family suddenly became about the urkel show over and over and over and over again and i just got sick of that character uh, besides of course you know his voice being you know very annoying and nothing like anybody's real voice and just sort of an exaggerated thing to make people laugh over and over again sort of like the screech thing except worse which is kind of crazy so i guess for me i just Really do not like Family Matters at all when, in like retrospect, even though Carl Winslow, I like the actor. So, he did his best, I guess you could say, despite everything else.
1: Alright.
2: Okay. Ben, Good.
1: time for you to defend. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to really defend a stupid sitcom, you know what I mean? Um, and, it, cause it was a stupid sitcom. But, Um, and, and like, it definitely, I guess, lost its original tone, but, but I think Urkel was clearly the most interesting character. I didn't find him very, very, very annoying. I thought they did some interesting, like, funny things in, in the, in the show. Um, and, uh, just in general, I mean, like, Urkel come up with these different inventions, and I remember just thinking it was so, so much fun that he came up with these inventions. Of course, they had the stupid, like, sitcom stuff where, like, you know, cool is, you know, they're trying to lecture a bad kid about being cool. Like, cool's not, cool's not just hanging with your home, being true to who you are and helping out your family. Like I had a bunch of that stupid sappy stuff, but but I thought it was, there was a lot of fun stuff. They also had more than one funny character. They also had the Waldo character. And one of his quotes was, I quote, I, it was, it was Carl was mad at, 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 a, at his son for drinking. And he asked, Waldo, did you, um, did you, uh, uh, Waldo, were you drinking? And he said, no, sir. <laughs> when I drink, I get a British accent, which I think is a great line. So I think, I think it was just, it was fun. It was just like, it was a good time with some interesting, funny things going on. It was not a good show, though it had a great view of Chicago in the beginning. And I liked the theme song, but I really just think it was fun. Like what we you were saying about 10-2 to a degree. I, 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 I didn't even find it so much like, oh, he was just trying to cater to a black audience so much so, besides the fact that they were black. They were, it was just, I, I just thought just some funny stuff was happening during it. And I enjoyed it. I always enjoyed the episodes I watched. All right. So, okay. Well,
0: I guess here's my, uh, rebuttal. Rebuttal. Let's see. Yeah. Did I do that? Now imagine that said a billion times. And that's basically what Family Matters sort of runs into over time. And sure, you know, sometimes they have sort of the quirky things at times. And occasionally you had some decent moments of Merkel doing something interesting, but it, a lot of times it just seemed like you know his so-called intelligence actually led to more problems, and that is kind of a message I don't particularly like in retrospect. Sure, the theme song was great, but that then there's the entire actual content of the show, and I don't think you can say that just because it had a good theme song, like Full House, even that the show was any good. Just like Full House was also bad, and I don't know. I mean, come on, Urkel. How could you think that guy is not annoying? I don't even know. I don't even know what to think about you anymore. I I mean, come on. Although Waldo, I don't even. I just remember him as being weird. I don't really remember. Well, okay. (laughs) I guess I I, I sort of trailed off there. That's all right. Ready for your your final counter?
1: Yep. Um one thing I was realizing is you were talking about how I was originally supposed to be like, you know, family matters interconnected as a family. For a sitcom, which just normally doesn't happen, the characters were not flat. They each had their own distinct personalities. You could say they weren't good, you could say they were dumb, but I think I think that they weren't flat. I, I think they you know, like you 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 understood their motivations. Each time that they were doing anything. I just thought they got into interesting situations, like way more so than in full house. I, I, I you know, there was a whole episode sort of teaching why Carl really loved Ur- Urkel. He realized that through a series of circumstances where he saved Urkel and Urkel saved him, um, multiple times. Um, I, I, I thought they each had kind of interesting, uh, personalities. Not super interesting. It's not a great show by any means, but I think it did its job. And th- th- did I do that? That could get annoying, but I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think the other characters didn't shine through at all. So I don't know. I I I, I thought. All right,
0: all right, Sam, What do you think?
2: Um, I'm 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 actually going to lean towards Jeremy. I think I think Jeremy makes a good point about Urkel. I think that Urkel is he's a difficult character historically because he's in a way sort of like a nerdy icon and yet a a terribly damaging nerdy stereotype at the same time. Um. And I think that, like, you know, as we as we get more distance, you know, it just it becomes more painful to look back and see, you know, this is how nerds were viewed. And and as Jeremy said, also, like, this is how intelligence was viewed. You know, intelligence was something like um, dangerous or destructive or, you know, something to be mocked, um, which really is not something that, that any of us really want to get behind. Um, you know, I think that the show was a product of its time. You know, I don't think that it should really be blamed too much for for the way that it was, uh, that it was, um, presented. But, but I do, I do think that I, I have to agree with Jeremy because I don't think the show has aged very well. Um, it just doesn't, you know, it's, it doesn't work, um, anymore the way it used to. Although, of course, we, you know, of course, we all like Carl Winslow because Carl Winslow is awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I mean, even that being said, you know, Benji was just talking about something about flat characters, which wasn't really something I, I was talking about. Although I think in that case you have some of the characters are flat, like any of the kids other than Laura, or whatever that other guy's brother's name. But though, you know, Laura was very one-dimensional for the most part. She was just sort of like a, you know, simple-minded, you know, stereotypical girl. That just cared about appearances. The only person who I thought had any kind of death was Carl, and I think that I agree that he did. But just because you know you had one good character in the show doesn't mean I feel like it's a good show. But you know, that's my opinion.
2: And I I will uh I I, I will I'm I'm kind of stealing a joke from uh from this nostalgia critic and uh, an angry video game nerd in saying that I you know. It's it's kind of fun to imagine Carl Winslow as also being the same character from Die Hard, um, <laughs> you know, and you imagine that like he, you know, he he had to retire because he was a cop and in, in both things, um, you know, and you just imagine like Carl Winslow talking about how he like, you know, ended up get stuck with a desk job because he, you know, shot a kid, um, you know, who had a, a ray gun and he thought it was a real gun, you know, like that whole conversation that he has back and forth with with Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Right. Um, and which which adds even more depth to his character.
0: Oh yeah. Especially if that kid was uh actually Urkel's parents. <laughs> which what? is why we never see them.
2: <laughs> maybe it know. was Urkel's older brother.
0: Well, maybe that's well that there you go. That's why you always felt responsible for yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. You just added a whole new layer to family matters. <laughs> and it really is a rare condition. Alright. <laughs> All right. What's our next topic? Uh,
2: so next, we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about R. A. Salvatore,
0: mm-hmm.
2: noted author, best-selling author.
0: I think so. Yeah, I think, he is. I think he is. Let's
2: let's say best-selling author.
0: <laughs> All right, and who is attacking?
2: I I am attacking, and um, I believe uh, Jeremy, aren't you defending? That's right. Okay. All right. All right excellent. Yeah.
0: All right. Wait for it.
2: Okay. So here's the issue with R. A. Salvatore. He, um, he, he's basically everything that he writes is completely ripping off um, Tolkien and people like Terry Brooks. Um, you know, so it's it's not just derivative, but it's derivative of other things that are derivative. Um, he has this real problem where all of his characters are mass murderers because they just kill tons and tons of orcs or goblins or whatever, and you know that's okay because like all orcs are evil. Which is like a really, really racist kind of approach um, to to world building. I, I understand that it's based on the Forgotten Realms, you know, like D and D kind of stuff. But um, but you know, you could you could put a little more depth into it. You can make your your characters not be like callous, hardened killers, you know, completely remorseless. Um, and he tries a little bit in the character of Drizzt to uh, to create a character who actually is like from a supposedly evil race, but is actually a good character. Except that like every single other dark elf in the entire book is evil except for Drist. so he's the exception that proves the rule and um you know he so he tries to sort of like approach this racist kind of stuff from a different angle but it's very half-hearted and um you know it just doesn't work also his um his action scenes are kind of boring he writes in a very clinical way that takes all of the intensity out of the fighting um because he's very overly descriptive so it, it just doesn't work um uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's not that good.
0: All right. Well, looks like it's up to me to defend Mr. Robert A. Salvatore. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So, starting from the beginning of Sam's little points here, I think that, first of all, there is a little bit of that racist thing, which, of course, is derivative from the D&D scenario, which you can't really avoid entirely at first. But here's the thing. Hari Salvador actually helped push away from that, and in fact, in some of the later novels that he wrote, he had a whole series of subplots about how all these orcs were trying to create their own kingdom and wanted peace, and how there was racism against them, and how even Drizzt was like, I can't believe that these orcs could ever be good. And I feel like that actually shows maturity as an author, and yeah, maybe he started as an immature way, but I think being able to demonstrate growth as an author is a good thing. It's commendable. And I also feel like, yeah, maybe his skills aren't necessarily in the action, but I also think he has very good characters. I feel like the characters are distinct. They have interesting stories behind them. I feel like you actually can see them. You feel like, oh, I can I can believe in this character. I can see what's happening. I can understand how they interact with the world around them and the kind of struggles that they have. For me, the characters are what the big thing is. And I like, you know, Drizzt's struggle, you know, how he has to go back and forth and try to figure out where his morality is. I guess, you know, for me, do I think they're all gems? No. But I really like what he's done, and I like that he's been willing to take risks and really destroy them. All right. All right. So, Mr. Sam. All right. I'm ready. Your
2: Okay. I'm willing to grant you that he has grown a bit as an author and that he is, you know, taking a, a bit, a little bit of a more mature approach to the racism stuff. But I really have to disagree with, with your claim that his characters are, are deep or interesting. His characters have no depth at all whatsoever. Uh, Drist is the only character that has depth. I mean, the other, the other characters in his little D and D party are like the barbarian warrior, um, the dwarf, the woman, like they have, they have no personality whatsoever. Um and and almost none of his characters have personality except for like occasionally you'll run into a guy like Jarl Axel, who actually is kind of interesting. Um but he's he's a pretty minor character for the most part. Um even even Artemis Intrari is not actually a very interesting character, although perhaps he, he has he's given a little bit more depth. Um but I think it's a real problem when the author can't really find much personality for his main characters and like
1: Alright. Can you guys pause? You guys pause for one second?
0: One. Okay. So, and now it's time for my final counter counter. Well, I'm already gonna have to disagree with you there. I guess maybe it's just a perspective thing, but I even think, like, the so-called barbarian character, which you flatten like that, I think he actually had a very interesting arc, even in the first book, where he starts as a very simplistic character, and you know, has to go through a very interesting transformation. and I think he actually has a very tragic story overall. I mean, and you know, some of the characters may not be that interesting, but I think overall you actually have some interesting developments. You know, like I said, I don't know that everything always works perfectly, but I really do think that I like a lot of the characters that happen. And maybe you know, you know, you got sick of it because there were some you know low ebbs in his books, but I don't know. For me. I still like reading his stuff, and I'll you know I'll be curious to see how he ends it. I guess that's really my real feeling about it, and
1: uh, that's it. Okay, All right. um, I I think when it comes down to it, I, I have to give it to Sam. Um, part of it is I already did have my opinion on this. Uh, I I think I think Jeremy did bring a good point that you know he tries to take risks and and it's interesting no one m- uh, mentioned. Um, uh, the Clara Quintet. Because I think really, uh, as a whole, Clara Quintet is his best work, probably. I think probably because it's condensed, and he gets some of his best stuff in there, and the characters are more interesting in that. So that would have been a better thing to argue, I think. Would you agree with that? That, a uh, Clara Quintet would be something to argue for with Ari Salvatore? I do like that one. Yeah. I think, but... I think. The I was really focusing
0: on defending against Sam's particular attacks. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, think, the thing
2: is, I didn't, I wasn't really attacking the cleric Quintet because I haven't read the cleric Quintet. Right.
1: I, I think, I think you would find it, I understand if you're not interested in it, but I think you would find it better. Um, but anyway, let's get back to it. I mean, I think, Sam, you hit on all, almost all the main points. It was interesting you didn't mention, no one mentioned about how repetitive he is because he com- completely recycles stories a number of times. But, um... You know, his his battle scenes are not good and 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 you made a good point, Sam, I think it's kind of the crux of why R.A. Salvatore really is not a good uh writer, I think overall. Um, though he has glimmers of little things that I think are good, um, a lot of things that you're saying you're right, it's kinda of half hearted. And I kinda of doubt that those later books really are that much better. I think it's I think it's good that he's trying things and maybe some things are kinda of cool. And he can be engaging, but overall as like an author with things that he writes, it's like it's like the, the depth to the characters, I think what, I they, they just run their course very quickly. Everything runs its course really quickly. And then it's just like, well, what do you have? You have a bunch of filler and then there's something interesting that comes in. And, and, um, and, uh, I think just what you said about it being half-hearted, I think, I think that's kind of what it is. I don't know if he think if Ari Salvador thinks it's half-hearted, but I just think that it's, you know, I, I, I think it's just, uh, not very imp- imp- impressive overall. It's just kind of like, it's it's kind of like, you know, a movie. It's exactly like a movie that starts out good, you know, first 5 minutes has something kind of cool going on and then the rest of it is like, oh no, yeah. No. So All right.
0: Well, let's move on. Okay. Next up, American Beauty. Okay. And who here wishes to attack this award-winning picture?
2: I nominate Benji.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So, Ben?
1: Yeah. Get ready. Okay. It's been a little while since I watched it, and, um, I, I, I think, I think there's something to the movie. Um, I just found it kind of like, like, overly symbolic, and I kept expecting there to be something that would happen, but I, I didn't understand it, any, but no, nothing would happen, and I, I, I didn't really find there to be, a, a lot of motivation behind the characters. I just didn't get their motivation at all. Um, you know, I, I, or you know, I, I know maybe it was trying to be a tale of, you know, like, you know, with Kevin Spacey's character where he, where he, uh, you know, he wants to quit whatever job he's at and he wants to do something different or whatever he's trying to do, whatever he's trying to prove. I felt like everything was really unclear, you know, the, the, the whole time. It was just like, I felt like I was watching like this, like, tableau of 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 kind of uninteresting stuff and um i just didn't get it i mean maybe maybe that's my problem that i just didn't get it but i uh like like i i didn't get you know why they were putting in there you know the the the, how how the guy had the gay father though you know i I like that actor and that can be a good topic but uh, i didn't get why kevin spacey was doing what he was doing i didn't get the guy with the uh the uh the like the, the the camcorder I I just didn't get it. Like, I I didn't know what the the point was. I kind of saw they were trying to do this, like, this thing about a commentary on American life. Um, All right. So,
0: I think it's time for a good old-fashioned defense courtesy of me. All right. Ready? Here we go. So, American Beauty for me, I think, yeah, it could be overpraised at times. But I think it's, in general, brilliantly acted and has a very interesting tragic story to it starting from the beginning and showing how the downfall of the sort of generic guy you know the middle-aged person who's having a midlife crisis or the the person who you know is failing to see this idea of beauty in the world and is only seeing it in the beauty of like a teenage girl and i think we're actually supposed to see that as a tragedy i don't think it's supposed to be considered a good thing i think it's over dramatized for a reason and when you have the parallels to the guy with the oh, this is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen it's another aspect of this pretentious this guy who sees he's trying to see beauty in something else because his whole life is filled with such pain you know he's dealing with such problems you know his dad is like secretly in the closet and it's to me i feel like there's just a lot of very interesting elements to it. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think it's it's just so well put together that I think it really deserves to be called a good movie. And you know, uh it's was probably uh you know, Savari's best work for sure. She definitely looks pretty attractive in it. I don't think you can probably I don't think you can just be lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Alright? Ready?
1: I agree about you know, Um and you're right. Like there are all these interesting ideas going forth. I, I feel like it should have been like a poem. Like it should have been. I, I feel like a movie wasn't the right form for it. I mean, I thought there was. I thought the the end, the way they sort of did that whole thing that, that, that you know, I guess the spoil, spoilers. You know, with, with Kevin Spacey's death and, and all that at the end. I think I think that was well done, but I felt like throughout the movie, like there were just these big symbols, these big metaphors, and I didn't see why it had to be expressed. As a movie, I thought it was just weird. Uh, um, once again, if, if, it, if it was expressed in a different medium, I think it could have it could really been done. But I didn't feel like there was a lot of this action. I thought it was a lot of this reaction to different to different stimuli, and that was what was pushing the story forward. Okay, and I, I just I just thought I, I just thought it was it, 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 there, there. There wasn't a lot actually in the story pushing it forward. And I don't I think it was just I just don't think it was shown well. Um, that's my, that's my basic argument.
0: Okay. Uh, Alright. Well, let me uh finish off with my defense. Well, alright. I think that, although you have some interesting points, I guess I don't don't really agree. I think that the the film medium is something that's legitimate for this sort of thing. This idea of people trying to find beauty in, you know, even despite in their own lives, and this idea that you know, I guess you know, there is a little bit of a product of its time. You know, sure, because it was a late '90s thing, so people didn't have like you know the kind of problems that they have nowadays. It was more about an ennui thing in a lot of ways. And, you, know, you know, the finding problems that aren't necessarily the same problems that we have nowadays seem more serious or significant. But that being said, I think. It's still a significant movie. I think it's still relevant, and you know maybe it's not going to last forever, but I think it has some important messages. So really, that's my final feeling. And uh, right, there we go. So, I almost said <laughs> it right.
1: Okay.
2: All right. So I'm I'm going to go with Benji on this one um i really first one i won that's right (laughs) benji wins for once
1: except for the tuna except for the mustard (laughs) um
2: yeah i don't know it's just um like like i think i think benji made some really important points about like how you know this movie just isn't doesn't seem relevant anymore it's you know it's kind of stuck in its time and it is you know it is sort of like pretentious and um you know and it's it's just uh it's it doesn't it doesn't hold up you know, it's not, it's not a movie that, that we can watch now, you know, we live in a very different time than when it was made. And like, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem significant. It seems like, um, you know, uh, it's, it's almost, almost like naive, I would say.
1: Uh Yeah. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I actually don't think I mentioned anything about it being a product of its time, but I remember just thinking like, I well, maybe that was
2: more like what Jeremy was saying. And defending it than what you were saying but yeah anyway go ahead
1: yeah i i it, it was i i just i just didn't feel connected to it i felt like and, and i think the pretentiousness thing is is a big part of it i feel like it was this whole artful. it was kind of like this like kind of masturbatory thing like look at how we're really exploring this and these slow these slow in these like broad strokes these well, these it delicate
0: pretentious, that's true
1: yeah so yeah, I I didn't appreciate the pretentiousness. I didn't think it was I think it was good pretentiousness.
0: I could appreciate a little bit of pretentiousness even now and then.
1: I mean, I I do think that that last scene, like the the the, fi- the last like ten minutes, how they wrapped all that together, I thought that was well done. I thought that that was pretty poignant. But um, um, still, you know. Uh huh.
0: All right. Well, I guess we should probably go. All right. <laughs> Very good. All right. So what's up next?
2: Up next, we have Star Trek Voyager. Stay tuned for part three of the podcast.